Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. All right, so turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I want to I wanna speak with you this morning entitled The Kingdom Life. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. Oh, good, we got it up. Okay, so if you don't have your Bible, you can, you can look up here. I'm going to read out of the NIV. I'm, I'm really excited to share this word. I believe it's something very specific for, for our body. And as I, uh, as I go, I, I'll, I'll share more on that. But here's, let me, let me share one point why. The backdrop of this is in Matthew 9. Jesus, Jesus just got done telling his disciples that essentially the harvest, it's limitless. The harvest is limitless. He says the problem is the laborers. And so Jesus in this next portion is ready to send out his disciples into the work field. And the reason why I say that is because we're seeing behind the scenes at a grassroots level this movement of God taking place. And so often, I, I, I think for us, we're in a place of, at, at the same place, of this initiation of God beginning to move out here, right? And I think the temptation is we're not careful is we can... And there's a place for this, but we can look to uh, how other churches and other ministries have done things, right? And we begin to use that as a template. And the Lord was really speaking to me that we have an inside view right here of how Jesus began to start this movement. All he needed was a few ordinary men who were willing to recognize the power of God that was living inside of them. That's all that he needs is someone to say, my goodness, what God has dispensed inside of us. And I really believe that the Lord wants to impart a truth, a reality for us to see what it is that's living inside of us when you are in Christ. And if you don't know that, God wants to make it available by confessing the name of Jesus today. And so we're going to look at this, the kingdom life. And I, I just see so many applications to our church. But let's just start reading in verse 1. Verse 1 says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, and to heal every disease and sickness. We'll come back to this, but it's very important. Jesus first calls everyone to himself. Verse 2 says, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. He's got a real A-team here, if you know some of these backstories. Verse 5 says, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. He said, that, he said do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Let me just share something on this. In this first mission, there was a very specific target group that Jesus had, and I'm not going to get too much into it, but essentially Jesus was saying, before we go into the world, we're going to start with our own community. We're going to start with our own people, and I do believe there's a word for us there as well that God says, we're going to start right here in Mastic Beach. We're going to go out right here and begin to proclaim the kingdom. And he says, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and then verse 7 says, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. You have been given generously, so release it generously. And then he says this, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. And I'll jump into that in a moment. Let me, let me just start here. 
I really want to focus on that verse 9 and 10, but let me just start here. I want to just give a, just a quick overview of, of the kingdom. This is very important. God has really been stirring me to make sure that we, we stay in alignment with him. And that is that God, Jesus right here, is beginning to infiltrate an area. He does not say, go build a ministry. He does not say, go build a church. He says, go bring my kingdom. The kingdom and the church are very different things. They're not the same. The church is a vessel to extend the kingdom, but it is not the kingdom. We are simply a byproduct of the kingdom. The church, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. Very different. You can build a church and not advance the kingdom of God. I'm not interested in building a church. Listen, you can have a place that's growing in numbers and the kingdom of God is not advancing at all. The kingdom of God is the realm and reign of God. It's God's activity. When the kingdom of God begins to advance, everything begins to change. Yeah, you'll have more people coming on a Sunday, but that is the last of what begins to take place. Listen, when God's kingdom begins to touch an area, everything that was broken through sin begins to be restored. That, that's from salvation to, uh, to economies change. There's prosperity in economies. Everything begins to become fruitful. There's healing. Marriages begin to become restored. Fathers begin to play the right role in their household and they pursue holiness. Everything begins to change when the kingdom of God advances and is brought to a place. And my heart and our, and our mission here is we say what? Behold him to become like him. Why? So that we can bring the kingdom of God to heaven. It's beholding to become to bring. Everything starts with intimacy. And in that we become like Jesus people. But the end result is that we would be bringing and advancing the kingdom of God here on earth. And so Jesus tells these men to bring the kingdom, not just build a church. Because as I shared before, it's, it's, it's a totally different thing. And honestly, I think it's, it would be a sad thing to see this place growing and never see any tangible change in this community. Do you know, I'll just give you one example. Have any of you guys ever heard of the man, man by the name of John G. Lake? He was a very famous uh, missionary. God gave him a, an incredible anointing for a healing and I just want you to see, here's just one small example of what happens when the kingdom is advanced. God gave this man an incredible example. He's a Canadian-American, and he came over here, and he settled down for a long time in Spokane, Washington. And there was such an incredible move of the kingdom of God, and people were being so touched in the early 20th century that when he was in Spokane, Washington, true story, according to government statistics, from 1950 to 1920, Spokane, Washington was the healthiest city in the world. There was so much healing taking place. People were being so touched and changed that literally was rated the healthiest city. The, uh, the mayor actually held a, 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 a service for him to honor him because of the work that he had done. And at his funeral, many people came forward to discuss and, and share how they had been touched by him. But listen to this one. It so touched me. It said, Dr. Lake came to Spokane. He found us in sin. He found us in sickness. He found us in poverty of spirit. He found us in despair, but he revealed to us such a Christ as we had never dreamed of knowing on this side of heaven. We thought victory was over there. We thought victory was on the other side when we get to heaven. He said, but Dr. Lake revealed to us that victory was here right now. If we would see what we possess and what God wants to do, he's not looking for us to build a church. It's to bring his kingdom here on earth. Here's the illustration that I've heard I'd give to you. When the Roman Empire was advancing in territory and they'd conquer new land, the moment they would conquer that land, they'd begin to send different officials there to assimilate the people into the Roman culture. And they begin to build things that they would find in Rome, certain statues and temples that they would have in Rome. 
They even begin to set up similar education systems. Why? Their primary purpose was so that when Caesar would come and visit these new territories, he would feel like he never left home. He would feel like he was still in Rome. Do you know that the king is coming back? And when he comes back to this town and to Long Island, I want Jesus to be able to walk around here and say, this feels like home. This feels like heaven here. I, I, I sense the, 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 the kingdom of heaven is in this place. That's what my heart is after. And that's what Jesus has made available for us. You know, Jesus spoke more in the kingdom than anything else. It was his primary message. The brokenness of this world, people were longing for the king to come. And when Jesus came in in the New Testament, he began to proclaim the message that the kingdom of God has come near. Why? Because the king has come near. And he said, repent. We often get nervous of that word. But Jesus was saying, repent. Come. Why? Because your liberator has come. The one that you've been looking for is finally here. Turn to me. And so, look, we live in this tension, right? There was the, Jesus established the kingdom. I want you to understand this. He established the kingdom. But the fulfillment of it will not come until he returns. So we live in this tension of the already, not yet. The kingdom is already here, but has not yet reached its fullness. But in the interim, Jesus has given the glorious mission of advancing his kingdom everywhere we go. 1 John 3.8 says that the Son of God has appeared to what? Destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said, as I have been sent by the Father, so I send you. So what's our job? Destroy the works of the devil. We are to go out and proclaim the kingdom of God. Light pierced into darkness into this world, and then he put light inside of us, and now he says, go. Be the light everywhere that you live, your workplaces, your family. Shine that light everywhere you go. That is our primary purpose as a body here. You know, I think the, cro the cross so much, so many times we look at what it's brought us out of, and rightfully so, right? It's brought us out of the dominion of darkness is what Colossians 1.13 says. But you know what it says right after that? And transferred us into the kingdom of his son, the one he loves. Listen to me. I want to I move my focus and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you brought me out of. But, Lord, I want to focus on what you have made access for me. What you have brought me into, which is the kingdom of his son. We are kingdom kids with the, with the kingdom of God dispensed in us that he wants to use us to release it wherever he sends us. And so here, in, in verses 9 and 10, it says, it says this. It says, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. I don't even have enough time to share all the things God was downloading. Let me share this. There is certainly a Matthew 6.33 principle in this, which is when you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, God will begin to provide all other things. There is absolutely a principle here where God is saying, I'm going to provide everything you need. Can I make the suggestion that sometimes our anxiety over not being able to or, or worrying about where things are going to come from is because we are not living a kingdom-centered life? My life is more centered on my little bubble and my little world. Can I tell you that God is so much more for you than living for yourself? He wants to use you to advance his kingdom. Do you know that heaven's resources are available and waiting to be unlocked by a man or a body who is willing to prioritize his kingdom and not build their little kingdoms? At any time, if we would just come and say, Jesus, we prioritize you. We want to see you lifted up. We want to see you glorified. Jesus says, for that man, for that body, my goodness, ask and you shall receive. 
Heaven is waiting for a body that's willing to walk like this. I honestly think even in the, in the, in the example of ministry, I've seen it myself. When, when we start to worry about, you know, it starts turning into a business of worrying about how we're going to provide and, and, and make this thing work. I feel like the Lord was speaking to me. That's, that's because we've shifted to building our own kingdom rather than God's. We don't need to worry about these things when we're building his kingdom, advancing his kingdom. God is serious, serious about backing up those who are interested in furthering his kingdom. And he will release, and I'm not just talking about monetary provision. I'm talking about provision of power. I'm talking about seeing salvation. I'm talking about seeing God really unleash an open heaven over this body when we say, Jesus, your kingdom is priority to us. And, uh, you know, in this book I'm reading, uh, it's called God's Generals. It's an incredible book of different men and women of the faith. And what I love about it is it's not a biased story. It often talks about a lot of their failures as well. Some of them went off in a, in a crazy direction at the end of their life, and it's really to learn from them. But again, one of the stories was John G. Lake. Just talk about how God provides when you put first the kingdom. John felt like God was calling him to Africa. You got to read about this, man. It's crazy, the stories. <laughs> he, one time, he one time healed a man, and he didn't know what would happen. The guy had a huge sore on him, and he left. The next day, he got a telegram. And the, the, the guy said, John, when you left, about an hour later, your imprint was found on my wound. And, uh, and the wound went away. This guy was like crazy anointed in what he would flow in. But he felt called to Africa, so he said, look, we're going to go. Him, his wife, and his seven kids. And he went with his friend Tom, and Tom had, I think, three or four companions. And it cost $2,000 to get to Africa. This is early 1900s. And uh, God supernaturally provides for them, and they're on the boat. And while they're on the boat, they realize that it costs $125 for some type of immigration law to get off. John only has $1.50 to his name. So, uh, so they get online. His wife says, what are we going to do, John? We're going to be sent back. And he said, well, we're going to line up like the rest of them. If God's called us here, he's going to provide. And so they get online. And while they're online, a man taps John on the shoulder and pulls him aside and asks him some questions. And in the end, he says, you confirm what I needed to hear. He said, the Lord has told me to give you this. It's $200. And he said, the Lord says, be bold and aggressive in what you are doing. They get off the boat. They know they're supposed to go to Johannesburg, but they're not exactly sure how it's going to work out. There's a woman who's working the docks. She comes up to Tom first and says, how many are in your party? And he says, there's four. And she says, no. And then she goes up to uh, John and says, how many are in your family? He says, well, I have my seven kids and my wife. And she began to get so excited. She says, come with me. The Lord gave me a vision that there would be an American missionary with seven kids. You can stay with us. This is the type of radical provision that God provides when a body and a people prioritize his kingdom. But listen, even though this is teaching on a Matthew 6, principle, here's what the Lord was really speaking to me. Not only do I believe God wanted to teach these men that if they put first the kingdom, God would provide everything else for them, but I believe he also wanted to teach them the power that's living within them. He wanted them to see that if they had nothing else but the presence of God going with them, it was enough. And so Jesus intentionally sends these men out with only themselves and the presence of God. The kingdom was with them. And guess what? They learned. They were put in a position where I feel like God was saying, you have one of two choices. Either you're going to demonstrate the power of God or you're going to look like fools. But you're not going to demonstrate any power of your own. These men had to learn how to actually depend and trust and just put themselves out there. And as a result, they saw God begin to move in incredible ways. And I believe what, what the Lord was downloading me to spirit was our temptation is we feel like we have to wait for the silver and gold. The temptation is, as a church, man, this is so important for us that we think we have to wait for the building. 
We have to wait for the offices. We have to wait for the plans and the programs and all these things to see a, a kingdom of God movement. And Jesus is saying, man, you have everything inside of you right now. The kingdom of God lives within you. You don't have to wait for the acquiring of silver and gold. You just have to go right now. Understand what you possess and release it. And you'll begin to see me move in an incredible way. We come to people with our brands and our plans and our resources, and we just miss the simplicity of Jesus. And I think it's in our own lives too, right? We think, man, I haven't been saved long enough. I need to do some more classes. And that's all great. But know this. When you become born again, God dispenses everything you need, everything you need to bring the kingdom of God wherever you live, work, wherever you go. We must get back to the confidence of the kingdom itself and not in our mechanisms and strategies. We got to get back to realize, honestly, this is all nice and having a building would be nice. The only thing that matters, though, is dependence on the kingdom. That's the only thing that we need. It's, it's an Acts 3 principle. Peter and John, what did they say when they healed the man? Silver and gold, I do not have. Come on, they're literally, they're going right through the same thing. Silver and gold, I don't have, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. These men said, I don't have anything else to depend on but the kingdom of God. I feel like God was saying we need to take advantage of this really special place we're in right now. We have an opportunity for Jesus to be reflected so strong because you would come in and say, there's just nothing else. All we have is Jesus to stand on. And I feel like the Lord is telling us to go. This, uh, this past Sunday, i share something personal. I wish I could share more details, but I won't share the person's name. But this past Sunday, after last Sunday's service, I was, uh, we were out to eat and started getting some text messages, and I need to go see someone because they weren't doing well. And I just want to share that I'm in this with you and that, you know, it's easy to share other people's testimonies, but God's doing this right here. And, uh, and I knew I had to go there, so I came home, got in my car, and I went to this house, and I wasn't sure what I was walking into. I just heard that this man was in bad state. It had been three days that he was basically just in his bathroom, um, barely could talk, has everything going for him, and then something just came upon him. And uh, before I got there, I was told that he was literally just in the bathroom, just banging his head in the bathroom. I mean, this is a man that has everything. It's so bad that his wife and had to leave, and his kids couldn't even be around. And so I came in here, and I just began to sit down with him, and just weeping. This man's just weeping. He's like, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. I'm just filled with anxiety and all these other things. And so I'm just there like, Lord, just give me the words to speak. God, just help me. And I started to interject some of the gospel, and I felt like, no, I'm just pushing this. So I waited, and I just began to hear more. And then I feel like the Lord just began to speak to me and say, man, this is something, first of all, it's something demonic that's going on here. And then he also had a problem where there was a need of physical healing. And so I said, Lord, I'm just going to go for this. And, uh, and I, said, I said, listen, I'm just going to tell you what I feel. It says he really doesn't have, at this point, much faith. He grew up in church. And I said, man, I need to pray over you first. There's just there's something demonic going on here. And so I prayed over him. It was real simple. No screaming, no shouting. I just said, I just was praying over him for the peace of God to come. And I kid you not, I prayed for that and healing over his body first. I kid you not, before I could even finish, there was like a giggling that took place as he began to lift up his head. And I said, man, what are you feeling right now? He says, I just feel peace running through my body right now. And I didn't know all this. I said, what's going on? He said, for the last three days, I couldn't even lift up my head. This is the first time I've been able to lift up my head. He just said, man, I just feel such peace in my body right now. And then I just began to, he began to share more. And I still didn't know what to say. So I just said, Holy Spirit revealed Jesus to him. And guess what? On his own, he began to confess how he's recognized that God has always been with him his whole life. 
And he said, I don't even know what to do now. How do I even turn to the Lord? I don't know what to do. And I just began to minister to him and just share God's pursuit of him. And right there in that place, he confessed Jesus Christ and was born again. And do you know this? Listen to me. I kid you not, the family couldn't even be over there. By the end of the night, we were sitting around at the table having coffee and joking about fantasy football, and his kids were back over. And I left. The kingdom of God was just released in a moment. There was healing, there was deliverance, there was salvation. And it's not because I'm some professional minister. I tell you, man, I, a lot of times I struggle with fear. God's just saying, just go. Just go, man. This is available for each and every one of us to live this way wherever God places us. And sometimes what God calls us to do is just crazy stuff. Uh, Willie, oh, Willie's with the kids. Willie sent this uh, testimony over to Crystal. Pastor Crystal, she shared it with me. Have you guys ever heard of Robbie Dawkins? Yeah, he's, he's really awesome. Uh, he has a book called Do What Jesus Did. Yeah, that's, that's probably a good, good idea. <laughs> well, he shares this testimony. Maybe you could relate to this, of how God speaks to us in some crazy ways, and we, we think there's no way it could be the Lord. But he said that there was this woman who was leaving a conference in Atlanta, and she came out of this Christian conference just with a heart just burning for Jesus. She said, Lord, I want to be used by you. I, I want to I do whatever you have for me, Lord. And she's just crying this out. And she said she realized in that moment she just felt this tugging on her heart to make the next left as she was driving. And so she said, because I so desperately wanted to just hear from the God, she's like, all right, Lord, I don't know if this is you, but I'm going to turn left. And so she's turning left, and she feels this excitement, like, bubbling up inside. And she's thinking, man, could this really be God is leading me somewhere right now? I don't know. I'm just stepping out on a whim. And, uh, and finally, as she's driving, she sees a convenience store, and she says, she really feels like the Lord says you need to pull over right here. So she gets out of the car, pulls in there, and goes into the convenience store. And right now, she's like, I don't know what to do. And as she's in the store, <laughs> the Lord says, I want you to go to the register. And I'll be ready for this. And I want you to stand on your head. Now, listen to me. True story. This is a true story. She said, there's no way this can be the Lord. This can't be God. So she's wrestling with it. And she asked the Holy Spirit again, and she said she received nothing. And she said she realized then that the Holy Spirit is such a gentle gentleman. And the Holy Spirit will tell us, but he won't bully us. And so she already received her word and her confirmation. He said, this is what I want you to do. So finally, she just mustered up this curtain and said, I'm going to go for it. She waited by the chip bags and read the chip bags for a while. <laughs> As the store started to just trickle out, there was no one left. There was a pole by the register. She runs to the register, does a handstand on the pole, and goes to the clerk and says, look what I can do. And she looks up from down and looks up, and the clerk is just, what she says, just shaking his head. And she's like, great, this guy thinks I'm crazy. And she gets back up, and she looks at the clerk, and she realizes he's not shaking his head. He's weeping. He's bawling, crying. And she said, what's going on? And, she's, and the clerk said, 30 minutes ago, I was so hopeless, and I prayed and said, God, if you're real, have someone come in here and stand on their head. <laughs> Do you know that she led him to the Lord right there? And he has attended her church ever since. Come on. God calls you some crazy stuff. Listen, you never know. I've had those moments. We just got to trust and be obedient. Man, God may tell you to stand on your head. I don't know if I can do a handstand, but I'll try. Man, God is, he's, he's so, he's funny. But listen, the power of the kingdom of God is Christ present within us. Nothing needs to be added or manipulated to make this thing work. You see, we're simply releasing the seed that's already been placed in us. 
Each and every one of us in the Lord has been given a seed that is ready for an expansive and explosive movement of God. We don't need to try to make this thing happen. We simply have to yield to it. Do you know, I believe this in my heart, do you know that if every Christian were to be wiped off the face of this earth, however, killed, aliens came, and you were the last one, do you know that God would have everything he would need for a full God movement to start again? The full kingdom lives inside of you. You, he would have everything that he needs to reignite that God movement. And if the movement of Christ's kingdom is already present in us, what I'm trying to make the point is I think we need to, it's not about trying to make it happen. It's actually about stopping it from continuing to go. We need to stop trying to prevent it. And how do we do that? By thinking we need to wait for all of these other things to see God move. We need to see that it's actually been placed in us and all God is looking for is someone to recognize what's in them and just go and just yield to it. And the, the whole thing is just ready to move. The picture is like a hill, right? I, I had this picture of a, a, trying to push a car up a hill. And we're working so hard to, to get this thing up this hill, and, and, and we're just exhausting all of our resources and energy to get it up there because we want to see this thing move fast and cover a lot of distance. And so we're pushing it up, pushing it up, not realizing if we just stepped out, the thing would take care of itself. And I feel like we feel like we're at the base of the mountain trying to push this thing up to start a movement. Realizing, not realizing, God has already placed us at the top. He's simply just saying, go, step out of the way. Stop thinking that we need to acquire all these things and we need all these things. All we simply need is Jesus. Jesus never said, oh, ye of little strategy. He said, oh, ye of little faith. It's, we don't need more strategies. We don't need more doctrine. We, 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 we've, we went through it. We don't need more plans. We need faith in the king and the kingdom that resides inside of us. That's all that we need to see God move. I tell you what, one of the things that really I struggle with is this idea of, of this seeker-sensitive model for church. And the reason why is because the whole thing is built on, and I realize that it's probably a lot of it's, it's good intentions, but the whole idea is that the more attractive we can make this right here, the more people will see Jesus. Can I make the case to you that Jesus is so attractive? Jesus is so beautiful and so good that we don't need to add anything to it. In fact, the more that we try to add to it with all of these glamour and all this other stuff, we actually, we actually rob people from seeing the simplicity and purity and beauty of Jesus himself. Like, I feel like that's what he was teaching these men. You don't need any of these other things because I'm so precious. And men, when they realize they're actually looking for me, all you need is me. And they were going to learn that Jesus is enough. And because you have him, you have what every heart is longing for. They just don't know it yet. They just don't know it yet. But you have the answer. And God's just telling us to just go and, and, and share it. Every step we take towards impressing people with our own strengths, we move further from letting them become impressed by him. We need them to just be impressed by the beauty of Jesus. You see the trap, I think, too, in here that Jesus was showing is the trap is how do we often measure success of ministry or in our own life? Oftentimes it's what? By the acquiring of all these things. It's the acquiring of the gold and silver and whatnot, right? And we say we're successful if what? We have a large church attendance. We're successful if we have large facilities. And we do the same thing in our own life. We measure by these worldly statistics. Can I make the case to you? I want everyone to hear this. The only measuring stick we should have for success as a body here is how recognizable is Jesus in our midst? How recognizable is the life of Jesus in this body and in our lives? 
are they seeing the life of Jesus flow through you and through us as a body where we live? That is the only measuring stick for being successful. And unfortunately, it's, uh, as I said before, it's possible to do church but fail to demonstrate anything of the life of Christ. And I want us to, to be a people that demonstrate Jesus. There's, entire, there's, a, there's a complete difference between being empowered and entertained. I just want to smash this idea that people come here to be entertained by professional Christians. There's no professional Christians. Every single person here is meant to be an empowered Christian to advance the kingdom. Every single person here has the identity of sonship when you're in Christ. Every person here has the same access to God as me or anyone else because of Jesus Christ. Everyone here is a priest called a minister between God and man. There is no such thing as a volunteer. We just have to scrap that. That's why we call it impact team, but even that's not sufficient enough. Paul says you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There's no such thing as someone volunteering here. All of us have been called by God. He saved us by his glorious grace to reflect him to the world. That's the role that each and every one of us play. Listen, I'm going to share something I was hesitant on, but I, I just believe it's I believe it's the truth. I believe there's such a fear to empower people of their true identity because maybe they might go leave and start a new work. That's the whole point. The whole point is to see the kingdom move. I don't want to keep you bound to think that you need to come here. Honestly, there's a point where you get to a size where it's actually, it's not even healthy anymore. The whole point is to, to, to raise up, send out, raise up, send out. And just see people infiltrate. And the point I want to make is I am so grateful for every single person that serves here on Sundays. We talk about the, the testimonies of from parking lot to coffee to whatever it is, how lives have been touched by that. You can manifest the life of Jesus in these simple tasks. But I'm going to be completely honest with you. Jesus didn't die on a cross. You can hand out a bulletin. It's the truth. We serve here together, but I want you to know something. He has so much more. You are a kingdom advancer. So we serve in our roles here, but know this, when we go out there, God wants you to be a beacon of light to pierce through darkness. That's your primary role in your identity. In verse 8, you guys following me right now? You guys with me? Should I just close this now? We're still good? <laughs> All right, verse 8, I just want to share this. I want you to see this, how important this is. When Jesus mentions the, the, these, the, um, you know, the, the healing the sick and, and the lepers and, and giving sight to the blind and talks about delivering those that are demon-possessed. I want you to know that right before this in chapter 9, chapter 8, throughout the entire Gospels, you know that this is what Jesus did. This is really important to understand because Jesus isn't just giving us some abstract uh, uh, mission. It was his mission. He came to infiltrate and bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light into this world, and he became here to destroy the works of the enemy. And so what he's giving to us is his very mission. And I want to show it to you this way. Just stay with me here. How many know that Luke, the gospel of Luke, is all, Acts is also written by Luke? Do you know that? Many, many scholars believe that the only reason why the books have been separated is for a very practical reason. Scrolls could only keep so much. So he had to separate these books. So essentially, Luke and Acts should almost be one continuous story. Do you know that in the Gospel of Luke, there are two really dominant themes? Jesus dependent on the Spirit and Jesus' movement towards Jerusalem. So if, we, if you ever look through the Gospel of Luke, you'll see even in the beginning when he steps in the synagogue and says, the Spirit of the Lord has, a, has come upon me and anointed me, and he begins to share how it's to set the captives free, you see this emphasis on the Spirit throughout the entire Gospel of Luke. 
at the same time when you read Luke, you'll also notice there's these, these uh, scriptures that will say, and he was steadfast as he went towards Jerusalem. Why is that important? Because when he gets to the end of the Gospel of Luke, what does he tell his disciples? Stay in Jerusalem. For what? The outpouring of the Spirit. Where does the book of Acts pick up? In Jerusalem. What's the first thing that happens? The outpouring of the Spirit. What is Luke trying to get us to see? That the same ministry that empowered Jesus and he went to Jerusalem picks up with the church. Now there in Jerusalem, the Spirit is poured out that empowered Jesus, and we are called to do the very same thing that Jesus was doing. What Jesus is calling us to do is the ministry of himself. And he says this. I, I just want to share this before we close. Verse 7, he says, as you go, proclaim that the kingdom of heaven has come near. He says, as you go. Do you know that the kingdom of God is a, is, is a, is a, it's a, a kingdom of movement? It's movement. The kingdom is advancing. Even the gates of hell, Jesus said, they can't stop it. It's called to go. Do you know that we are the light of what? The church? What are we the light of? The world. We're the light of the world. We are meant to be a people who are sent ones on the go, sharing and reflecting the light of Jesus everywhere we go. That means if darkness is abounding, it's because light is hidden. If you go into a closet and close the door, it's pitch black. Open the door up, what happens? It's magic. The darkness goes away. What does the scripture say? Light overcomes the darkness. Darkness can't extinguish it. If darkness abounds, it's because the light is hidden. Jesus has called us to go out as light and salt, to release that everywhere that we go. Jesus prayed in John 17, 15. He didn't say to take the disciples out of the world. He says, Father, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. I pray that you would keep them from the evil one. But they need to be here. Jesus has called us here. He's the true seeker. Look at the scriptures. God is continuously going after people. What's my point? My point is that we gather here for an important reason, but we have to realize that this is just one aspect of the church. It's a tension of grow and go. We come here, we grow, but when we go out there, our job is to take that light everywhere that God has called us. Your, your workplace is a sacred and holy calling. You're, you're sitting behind the desk, you as a construction worker, you as a teacher, God has placed you there. That's a holy calling that God has given you to, to, to bring people that are captive in bondage to see the light and the hope of Jesus Christ. That's why he's put you there. That's kingdom living, seeing every platform that God has given us as a, as a way to make his, his name known. It's a major difference in church, this model of extractional versus incarnational. We often think that the whole idea is to bring people out into the safe place and just keep building here. That couldn't be the opposite of the truth. The ministry of Jesus is incarnational. means he goes flesh on flesh. He's not calling us to simply just gather the rest of our lives in a safe place. We gather and then we go. We gather, then we go, and we infiltrate. Can you imagine? Jesus, with just one of them, betrayed him. There's really 11 men. 11 men, and Jesus was turning the world upside down. What would happen if we grab a hold of what it is that we possess and begin to live this kingdom life? These men, these men changed the atmosphere where they went. What's the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer? A thermometer measures the temperature. A thermostat controls it. I think I'm right too. I studied that for a while. <laughs> a thermostat is passive. Or excuse me, a, ther a thermometer is passive. A thermostat is active. God has called us to, we change, we control the atmospheres that we go in because of how powerful God is who lives inside of us. 
He doesn't call us just to conform and read what's going on. He says, no, if there's darkness, go in. You have something inside of you that can shift the whole atmosphere. You can begin to release peace over people as I experienced last Sunday. People, just chains can break in people's lives. But here, here's the last thing I'll share right here. This verse one is so important. I want to share this with you. How, you say, man, I struggle with this though. How do we grow an understanding of what we have? How do we, uh, how do we walk in this authority? Can I just tell you the simplicity of this? Look at verse 1 one more time if we put up on the screen. It says this. It says, Jesus, listen, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. The key to walking in this authority is intimacy with Jesus. Jesus is teaching this, these men the best way to be prepared is not going to be found in seminary, or as great as that is. It's not going to be found in coming here. It will be found in the people that have been with Jesus. Why? I think most importantly, it's because you come aware of who you are, sonship. When you understand who you are as a child of God, you understand what you possess. When you look at Jesus interacting with the Father, you know what the Father says so many times over him? This is my son, whom I love and I'm well pleased. He did not confirm mission. He confirmed identity. He wants to confirm identity. He wants you to know you're a son, a child of God. The kingdom of God has been placed inside of you. And so the more you spend time with him, the more you become aware of what it is that lives inside of you. There's an authority and a boldness that begins to rise up. Peter and John in Acts, they challenged these men and said, man, they were amazed by their boldness. They said these are unschooled, ordinary men. There's only one conclusion they came to. They had been with Jesus. These men walked with Jesus I can't, we just can't bypass this. This is why everything starts with beholding. Everything starts with intimacy. And it's in here we become aware of what we have and we begin to walk in that authority. You can't, you can't bypass this. You can't manufacture this authority. You can't buy it. Simon the sorcerer tried to buy it. He was rebuked. You can't. It's only purchased one way through being with Jesus. And intimacy with Jesus can take 12 ordinary men and turn them into world changers. It wasn't that long ago that these men were fishing. It wasn't that long ago that Matthew was cheating people on his taxes. And now he's healing the sick. He's proclaiming the good news. He's leading people into the kingdom. This is available for every single one of us. We just simply have to open our mouth and go. Come on, worship team. Come back up. I don't know about you, but in my life, when it comes to this, one of the greatest things that I struggle with is fear. And again, as we draw near to the Lord, maybe you know the answer. How is, how is fear dealt with? Scriptures say, perfect love casts out all fear. You see, that's why we have to be near to him. When we understand his love for us, we don't go out then looking for a certain response. We're not really even affected by that response. I'm simply moving in an overflow of the love that I've received. So whether or not you reject me or not, I don't care. Because I'm just here flowing the love of God. And I'm just going to keep going around and I want to see God move. Listen to me, this is, this is the real deal. 
this is the real deal. My eyes were open to a whole nother level that past Sunday to see, man, just like that, someone's life can change so fast. God is raising up a Jesus people that are going to bring his kingdom everywhere they go. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.